church family ought not be the ones that, like, yeah, you get in there with, let's go, let's go do wrong with. And because, see, and, and they could have gone together and they could have, they could have become closer and bonded, but it had been bonding over the wrong kind of thing. And it would have never worked out anyhow. But because one struggled with that and said, no, no, no. And then the other one, the other one said, well, what in the world was it? And then got under conviction. And then she wanted to testify in front of the church to let everybody know she got under conviction and got rid of them. And wanted to thank the one who put her under conviction. Well, I bless the Lord. That'll work, won't it? I want you to go with me this morning to Hebrews and the 10th chapter, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10, and uh, verse number 19. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 19, we'll read down to verse 23, and uh, I'll be in other verses and other chapters, but I want to begin here this morning. Hebrews 10, 19. Let's stand all over the building, if you will, out of reverence and respect of the Word of God. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, Having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23 is where we'll draw our thought from this morning. Notice it with me. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. For he is faithful that promised. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning grateful of your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you, God, for meeting our needs, Lord, like you do. Thank you, God, that when we don't, you do. When we can't, you have. And when we failed, you passed. God, thank you, Lord, that... You, you know where we are. You know what we need. You're full of grace and full of mercy and truth. God, we bless your name for it this morning. Lord, we ask you now, would you meet with us and help us? Oh, God, I pray. <clears throat> Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I, I, I'm going to take a, a thought and uh, try to uh, relay it to you this morning on this thought, this subject. He is faithful. And uh, you and I ought to thank God that he is because I got another statement for you. We are not always faithful. And uh, so if any of this was depending on us, we'd all be in a mess. I'm glad, thank God, my Bible tells me that when I'm not faithful, he is faithful. When I fail, he cannot fail. When I have done wrong, he's never done wrong. When he was tempted to sin, Matthew chapter 4, he passed the test with flying colors. Never one time sinned. Sin's not in him. I don't believe he had the ability to sin. Could not have sinned. And I thank God this morning 
that he is faithful. But as I am studying or have been studying and looking at these verses, there's certain things that pertain to you and I that the Bible is clear on that he's faithful in those areas. Now, he's faithful in everything he's ever done. He's never been unfaithful. And God's never been un. That's hard for me and you to understand because we ain't never been uh, too faithful. Help me right there. I've, I've not always been a faithful Christian and, and uh, I've not always been a faithful friend and I've not always been a faithful father. Even though I've always been my boy's father, I've not always done it the right way. And, Though my wife, there's never been another outside of my wife, but I've not always been faithful to be the kind of husband I need to be to my wife. But I'm glad to thank God this morning he's been a faithful God. He's been a God that's never failed me. He's never failed me in one ounce. Not one moment has God ever failed. There's never been a moment. There's never been an hour. There's never been a second that the God of heaven has ever one time failed me. These areas in particular, if you can get a hold of them this morning, they may uh, give you such liberty in your life, they may give you such joy in your life that you can leave out of here and be different than what you came in here with this morning. If you can fail out, if you can figure out, if you can believe the word of God that in these three areas, he's faithful. And uh, it's the only three areas in the New Testament where those words are together. He is faithful, he is faithful, and the other time is faithful is he. And uh, he is faithful, he is faithful, and faithful is he. And so I want to look at these three areas in relation to you and I and show you just how faithful he is. And it starts here in Hebrews uh, chapter number 10 where we've read, And the word of God said, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without waving, for he is faithful that promise. I want to say to you, first of all, this morning, and I sure do want you to get this nailed down in your heart. He is faithful. Now, we're talking about how this relates to you. He is faithful in your conversion. In our Bible, the Bible says, let us hold fast. I mean, you and me, we can hold on to it. Let us stand assured. Let us hold fast unto the profession of our faith why? Because we are faithful? Oh, no. Why? Because we said everything the right way? What he's talking about, let's hold on to your profession of faith. Hold on to your assurance. Know that you're saved. Hold on to the day that you got saved. Let us, therefore, let us hold on to the profession of our faith because we've done right and never sinned, because we've never failed God. Is any of that in your Bible? i tell you what is in your Bible. For he is faithful that promise. I'm talking about when it comes to you being born again. He is faithful in your conversion. Somebody said, preacher, how do I know that I'm saved? Don't you reckon I can lose it? What about when I'm unfaithful? You think I could lose it? Well, if it was based on you, yes, you could. 
but your conversion, your new birth, your salvation uh, is not based on your faithfulness. It's not based on your ability to do right. It's now, it will cause you to desire to do right. It will cause you to desire to get away from sin, but your salvation uh, is depending uh, on not your faithfulness, uh, but his faithfulness. Hebrew writer said, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And I'm not going to spend a long time right here, but I want you to understand, there's some of you in here this morning, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Hey, some of you in here this morning, you wrestle. If there's one thing you wrestle with more than anything in this world, it's whether or not you're really saved. And there's some of you, been, you've been in church long enough that you wouldn't dare admit it to nobody because you would not want nobody to know that you struggle with the issue of whether or not you're saved. And, 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 and you wouldn't want nobody to know that there's a struggle like that in your heart. And you say, and maybe even you, you'd say, you know, I'd go to the preacher, but he'd think less of me. I'd, I'd go to a, a, a man in the church or a woman in the church, but they'd think less of me. Uh, but this is a struggle that I'm dealing with. Well, first of all, I want to say to you, did you ever come to Jesus? And if the answer is yes, do you think he turned you away? I can answer that for you. If he called you and you came to him, he didn't turn you away. Somebody ought to thank God right there. Just the fact that you're struggling on whether or not you're saved is probably a good indicator that you are saved because the devil is not interested in telling a lost man that he's saved or that he's lost. He'll let him go on thinking he's saved, no problem. But a saved man, if he can get him doubting his salvation, he's about useless. He'll let a lost man think he's saved. But he'll try to tell a saved man that he's lost. You may be in here this morning and you say, boy, if I could get that nailed down, if I could just know that I saved, then I'd, I'd be all right. And you're trying to base it. You say, well, I don't feel saved. Well, he never said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because we have such a great feeling of salvation. He never said that, did he? He never said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because we have done so good in our Christian living. He never said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because we are good, honorable, tithing church members. He never said, let us therefore hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because we are faithful. What did he say? He he is faithful. That means all my salvation is dependent on one thing and it is the one thing that will never change and it is this, that Jesus is faithful who promised. He made a promise at Calvary and when I came to Calvary, I entered into the promises of Calvary and he's not about to break his promise for you or for me. He's faithful in his promise. Concerning my conversion. If you ever got saved, I don't care what the uh, false 
teachers preach and teach, you can lose it. And that's exactly a man they'll teach. You can lose what Jesus did in salvation is preaching false doctrine, whether he knows it or not. I don't care what they preach. Somebody say, well, what if I were to sin after I got saved? That Bible said your salvation is not dependent on what you've done. I promise you this much. You get over in 1 John, you'll find out if you've sinned after you got saved, you're going to have to confess it and get it right so you can have fellowship. But sin don't take you out of family. Sin takes you out of fellowship. Hey, husband and wife, ma'am, has your husband ever done something dumb? Oh, yeah. Sir, has your wife ever done something stupid? Oh, yeah. Has your wife ever done something? Has your children ever done something? You say, I can't believe you do something like that. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It may even take you out of fellowship. You ever sit in the living room and it don't matter if you was 10 foot apart, you could as well have been 110 foot apart in that living room. You ever sit in a cold living room? Come on, if you're married, if you've been married over a week, you have, probably not even a week. You ever sit in there and tension was so high because the children had done something or because the wife had done something or because the husband had done something? It may not have been no big deal, but it just kind of struck a wrong chord in the other individual and, and the tension was high. And you ever rode down the road and you rode for 100 miles and never said a word? That's my defense mechanism. I just don't talk. It's a good defense mechanism because you can't get in a whole lot of trouble if you quit talking. That's your problem. You've been talking. Not your problem, but probably your problem. Man first gets married and he thinks he's got to defend himself and he's got to defend his honor and he's got to defend his choices. And after a little while being married, he learns just to be quiet. I've got to defend myself. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be defending myself more, son. And more and more. You have, well, I'm going to tell you something. Me and my wife, we got, I, listen, I've been out of town all week long. Boy, I, Anthony, I've been missing that woman. I mean to tell you, I've been, I've been missing her. And she, she's been missing me too. I know that because she's been sending me those kissy-facey emojis. I'd send her one back, but mine didn't look as good as hers. And it was the same thing, but there's something coming through that emoji kissy face. I said, man, I, I can't wait to get home, see my wife, my children. And uh, boy, it ain't always, we got a good relationship. And boy, we, we get along. She's the best friend I got in this world outside of Jesus. Ain't nobody I'd rather spend time with my wife. I'm telling you, ain't, there ain't a man I'd rather be with. Listen, ain't, there ain't a family member I'd rather be with than that woman right there. That's my bride. I love her more than anybody in this world outside the Lord Jesus. And, and, but oh, hear what I'm about to say. There's some times when tension's in our home because I've done something or she's done something or somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed and tensions are high 
and you'd sit there and the fellowship's not there but you listen to me I'm still her family and she's still my family and when there is an old it don't take us out of family my children do wrong and they do just like yours and there's an expectation on preacher's children. Everybody expects the preacher's children to be supernatural children but I got news for you. My kids are like your kids. They got good days and bad days and they, 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 get, they get sideways every now and then and have to be disciplined but they're good kids but every now and then my children need to meet with their father and they need, to, they need discipline but that don't make them no longer my children. It amazes me how Christians think, well, if I saved, I wouldn't ever sin again. If I say, if I was really saved, I wouldn't, I wouldn't act like this. Can I tell you something? Just the fact that you're bothered about your sin is a good indicator that there's somebody living inside you who don't like it when you sin. Your salvation, sin don't take you out of family, it takes you out of fellowship, and your salvation is not dependent on your abilities. Not dependent on, I preached a message one time, I, preached, I got saved by my good looks. I did, Brother David, I got saved by my good looks. I took a good look at Calvary and got saved. I, he was worried right there, wasn't you? He was worried for a minute. You chose the wrong place to raise your family. Preacher thinks he's, number one, he said, even if you could get saved by your good look, preacher, you ain't going to. <laughs> I've been gone for a week. I gained, I gained seven pounds while I was gone this week and two extra chins. This morning, and you're just wrecking in your mind and back and forth and saying, Oh, and the devil's got you right where he wants you, and you're gonna have to learn to believe. You know why you have a behavior problem? Because you got a believing problem. And you're gonna have to fix your believing problem before you ever get your behavior problem fixed. And that is that he is faithful that promised. And if he ever saved you, you're still saved to this very day. If he ever watched you, you're still watched. He put an ED on the end of it. It's not a present tense operation, it's a past tense. It's already been done, and I'm still present tense saved. But what he did was already done. It's nailed to the cross and he's faithful in your conversion Bible said when he could swear by no greater he swear by himself he could not find a man that he could make a covenant with that would not fail on his end of the covenant every man from Adam has failed in the covenant keeping business every man has let God down so to speak every man has broken their end of the law Moses broke the law Adam broke the law all throughout history David broke the covenant all throughout history man has failed and broke and mis mismanaged the word of God and God himself said I can't swear by man so he swear by himself 
And salvation so great because when you got saved, you just entered into a promise you had nothing to do with. And it's a binding promise. It's a keeping promise. It's a promise that will not be annulled. It will not be done away with. It's a promise that holds fast. And that's why you can hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. You'd get that nailed down that you're saved because he's faithful in your conversion. Now look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. Look look with me in verse number 24. Faithful, here's that again, is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now he's faithful in your conversion. When you got saved, he's faithful. Keep your salvation. You're not going to lose it. Y'all see that? Do you see it? Now he is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now Paul is preaching and writing to the Thessalonians and he's talking about the last days and how they're going to live and in that calling he's also talking about their salvation but he's talking about them last day living and, and the things that they're going to see and the things that they're going to do and he's talking about their life that they're going to live and he reminds them as he closes out this first letter oh yeah by the way church He's faithful uh, uh, in your calling, uh, not just in your conversion, not just when he wrote the Hebrews and said he's faithful uh, in your conversion. He's faithful that promise, but he said whatever you're doing for him, uh, faithful is he that calleth you and also will do it. Who also will do it. I got news for you. Whatever the Lord asks you to do, he's faithful. And what is asked of you in your calling. You know why Josh Williams, nine and a half years later, is still a pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church? I'll tell you, and it's not because he's a good preacher. And some of you may say, well, preacher, you are, and I appreciate that. But there's just as many, if not more, that would say different than that. Brother Chris, everybody don't think that about me. As a matter of fact, if I had everybody who came here and left and blamed me for why they left, we'd fill this church up 17 times. They've all, everybody, if you leave, you've got to have a reason for leaving. And most people can't tell the honest truth about why they leave because it sounds so silly. So they have to blame somebody. And most of the time, they blame the one man that's in front of everybody. That's just the way it is. And, and it's going to be the way for you if you leave, probably. <clears throat> I hope you don't, but if you do, you'll have to find a reason why you left. And the good reason is to say, well, that preacher, well, I just wasn't getting fed no more. And the simple truth and answer to that is you didn't stick your head in the trough and eat. And I can't make nobody eat. And I'm concerned about how come you can't feed yourself at this point in your life. Well, I've heard that one. I'm not getting fed anymore. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were still on the bottle. We were passing out meat. We didn't know you needed propped up with a bottle. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Y'all better leave me alone. I got more. 
I got more. I keep this stuff pent up inside of me and every now and then it comes out. Well, I'm just not satisfied. I just think he's... I just think he's brash and, and arrogant because he tells the truth is what they don't say but would want to say. Honey, I ain't ever looked at and God knows my heart. Maybe when I have, I, well, I'm going to take that back and not say I ain't ever, but it's been a long time since I preached on any kind of sin that my heart was not broken. There's a tear in my eyes and my desire was not to set you straight but my desire was to show you the truth so you could let the Holy Ghost of God set your life straight I don't, I'm not willing I don't want anybody to leave or to get out I want everybody to get in and get in all the way but I'm not here Nathan because I'm a good pulpiteer I'm not here because I'm a good preacher. I'm not even here because I'm a good Christian. I'm not here this morning because I know how to manage my affairs. I tell you why I'm here. I'm here because He's faithful that called me. The God of glory that called me to this place has been faithful for nine and a half years of my ministry here. And thank God as long as I'm called here, I'm a trusted he'll still be faithful. <laughs> Sixteen years, Anthony, ago, I surrendered the call to preach. And I didn't know what I was doing then, and I don't know what I'm doing now. But I'm telling you, I've never stood behind the pulpit where I found him unfaithful. I never walked into a hospital room and found him unfaithful. I never preached a funeral where he was unfaithful. I never gone anywhere that my God was unfaithful. He's been faithful in my calling. When I needed money, he's been faithful. When I needed the bill paid, he's paid the bill. When I didn't see the way, he's been faithful. When I didn't know what I was going to do, he's been faithful in my calling. Hallelujah to God, faithful is he that calleth you. And if you'll do what he says, he'll be faithful. He is faithful. I'm unfaithful, but when I've been unfaithful in my calling, hallelujah, he's still been faithful. I've walked up in here, I hate to tell you this, and it's not the normal. It's not the way it normally is, but there's been times I've walked in this pulpit and I said, God, I am so empty. I'm so drained of strength. And if you don't help me, I don't know how I'll do it. God, I've been unfaithful, but God, I need your help. I'm going to tell you something this morning. He's always been faithful. If there's any glory in anything that goes on around here, ain't no point in you and I appreciate folks loving their pastor. I believe you ought to. 
I appreciate folks honoring me. Boy, y'all do. If I got face a church that honors their pastor, I pastor it. I'm telling you, the folks around here are good to me and love on me. And I say thank God for you and my wife. You love on my wife. And these young folks respect us and they've been taught to respect us because their parents do. And I want to say thank God for you. I bless your name. But at the end of the day, it ain't me that's been faithful. It's him. He's been faithful every step of the way. He has never failed for he cannot. He is faithful your calling whatever he asks you to do is cause he can do it he's just choosing to do it through you he'll do it he'll do it you ain't got to really worry somebody said well is brother Rusty ready to pastor church no you're not ready boy I wasn't I was 22 years old I was dumb as a box of rocks I wasn't ready. You're not ready. I wasn't a novice, and you're not a novice. I didn't just get saved and start passing church the next day. I'd been in the ministry, been around the ministry. Somebody said, well, a pastor said, you're going to be a novice to a degree if you've never pastored before, and at some point there's got to be a start. But you're not a novice to God and to the ministry. You're not ready. Somebody said... Brother, nobody said this, but I said, Brother, I've asked the Lord. Lord, you sure, Brother Rusty's ready. Not because I don't have confidence in you, just because I know what an undertaking this is. And I took a church that's already here. You've got to start one. And I don't know which one's easier and which one's harder. I've had them on both sides say it's easier to take one, but then when you take one, you, you take it for what it is. When you start one, at least you can, Start how you want it, but if it goes bad, it's all on you, buddy. I was able to blame people for the first five. I was like Obama, man. I was blaming the previous administration. And I love the previous administration, but it felt better to blame them than it was me. One of these days, one day I finally said, you know, I've been here a long time now. I probably ought to quit blaming. But I'll tell you why you can do what God's asked you to do. Because he called you to and he's just faithful and he's going to be faithful and he's going to work it all out. Yeah. Oh, my. He's faithful. Boy, I can preach right here for a long time. I, I I listen, I know it's probably about time to go here in a minute, but I can preach right here for a long, long time. I was up there at that meeting, and God, I, I was, Joe Nams called me and said, if you come to work for me last week, he said, I want you to preach for me Wednesday night, and I was preaching for Brother John Dorsey Sunday night, and there's when he said, if you come work for me, he said, to help me build a fence, I'll pay you $30 an hour. All right, I'll do that. <clears throat> he said, I need you to help me build this fence. I'll pay you $30 an hour to help me build this fence. I said, praise God, man, I'll come. This three weeks ago, I told him, I'll go help you build that fence. I'd go and help him build it for free just to be his friend until I found out he's making all that money. And he said he'd pay me, and then I, all right. Well, he was up there at that Redfield meeting last week. 
and the God of glory come by and said, you write this meeting a thousand dollar check. I said, Lord, that's like my savings account and that's it. I know. And, and I was going to go work for Brother Joe. I don't know if it's the Lord's will for me to get on the hunting club is what I'm trying to figure. Last year I was going to get on the hunting club and the Lord made me give my money to the building fund. And this year I was going to get on the hunting club and the Lord said, you give, you go, you give that thousand dollars. I said, okay, Lord. I said, well, I guess this money's going to mean something because now I'm going to go back to Nashville, Tennessee and work to pay it back. That's what I was, I was going to go up there and work to pay back my savings. <clears throat> Left out of Adairsville, Georgia Sunday night and my ABS lights come on and uh, my truck got to scrubbing. I was heading to Nashville. My truck got to scrubbing, making a noise. Sound like, I don't know what it sounded like. Sounded like my brakes were locked up. Sounded like there's little demons inside the wheel well there and they're screaming. I said, my goodness, I got into my hometown there, pulled in, and I went over to my uncle's house and we jacked that thing up. It was about 11 o'clock at night, Sunday night, jacked that thing up. And as soon as I did, I got it off the ground, that wheel went. I kept right there. And any of y'all men that sent, y'all know what my wheel bearing, maybe some of y'all women too. If you're used to jacking up, I said the women too. I said the women too. Some of y'all redneck women, y'all know how to. I jacked it up and both tires. And I went to pull on it and it was just a shaking. It was a wonder I didn't lose a tire on the interstate. The wheel bearings were terrible. I took it down to Trantham's Automotives the next day. I was supposed to be working that Monday. It set me back. It set me back a whole day. I was supposed to be done Thursday and come home Thursday night and had to stay up through Friday to help him get it done. I, I, I pulled that thing up on the, on the I took it down to Trantham Automotives and they said, well, Mr. Williams, we can't do it until Thursday. I said, look here. I said, I'm heading out of town. I said, I got to get some help. And they said, well, let's, let's look at it. We'll, we'll see. I said, you're going to have to help me. I got to get on the road. And uh, he come back to me and said, well, it's a whole unit. And it's uh, hooked into your, to your locking hubs on your truck. And it's got all the sensors. And it's $375 apart plus tax. And you need two of them. And the total come to $1,100. I said, God, why did you ask me to clear up my savings account? I'm almost done, maybe. Probably not. I don't know. God, why did you ask me to clean out my savings account? I said, uh, I was all right with giving up my hunting club money, but you knew this was coming, and now I'm going over here. And uh, oh, I, I got, got that thing, and I got going down the road, and I got to thinking about that more. I got to thinking about it. I thought, boy, that come out at perfect timing, didn't it? Cleaned out my savings account. And then, go up here to work. And the money I'm going up here to work for now, just pay myself back for everything I had to put on the credit card I couldn't even pay for with my debit card. Somebody say amen right there. Boy, somewhere between there and Nashville, Tennessee, the Holy Ghost of God sit down in that truck. Said, it's been a little while since you've been in this position, ain't it? 
I said, it has. <laughs> said, I just wanted to remind you that I'm faithful. He said, I lined this job up for you long before you ever gave that thousand dollar check or these wheel bearings went out. And he said, uh, he said, them wheel bearings went out just at the right place. Just when you had that check coming in. He said, don't worry about draining that savings account. My savings account's bigger than yours anyhow. Me and my wife was talking. And she said, well, you know, I was thinking it probably was an easier blow anyways to go up there and have to work to give you money to the truck because you needed it or give you money to the, I don't remember how you said it. It, it sounded good when you said it. I'll leave that one alone. She says stuff that I can't come up with. But it was good. I'll get her to tell you after church and it'll be good. I want you to understand that God I serve is faithful. If he ever asks you to do something, he'll be faithful. I told the Lord too. I told my wife. I said, I'm so... You take this however you want to take it. I say stuff, sometimes people take it the wrong way, and I don't ever mean for them to. Boys, I don't ever mean for nobody to take what I say the wrong way. And, I, and listen, it just happens, and it ain't because I don't know how to say stuff. Well, you don't know how to say stuff. Because you don't know how to hear stuff. There's some truth to that. You hear how you want to hear. And a hundred people sitting in church service and one person hears it offensively. Could be something in your hearing, not my saying. But I ain't ever said nothing that I... I, I said it, God knows my heart when I said it. He knows my heart when I said it. And everybody who knows his heart knows my heart. I remember a time when if I'd have gave a hundred dollar bill, it'd have broke me. Miss Tanya, it'd have, it'd have broke me and my wife, and we'd have suffered for, not suffered, but we'd have struggled for a month over that hundred dollar bill. And the Lord said, riding down that road, we're still talking about him, he said, ain't that amazing now? It takes a thousand dollars to break you instead of a hundred dollars to break you. I've been real good to you, ain't I? I said, you sure have. Thank you, Lord. He sure has been real faithful in his calling. And when he calls you, he'll equip you to do what he called you to do. Just do what he said to for he is faithful. Oh my. First John 1 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That last one is he's faithful in your cleansing. Somebody said that's for Christians. Oh, I've done wrong. I've messed up. 
And I messed up so I did what the Bible said. I confessed it. I repented of it. But I still feel the guilt of it. I want you to understand if he ever cleansed you, you're clean as you could ever be. Why? Because he's faithful. And he's cleansing. And then he's calling. And then he's conversion. And if you can get a hold of that, you can be a Christian living for God. That knows that none of this has got anything to do with me or you but him who is faithful. And if you'll be here in 20 years, it won't be because you, it'll be because he's faithful. <laughs> Let's stand, come on to the piano.